Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 194 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jackie Moravik. Jackie lives in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where she is a stay-at-home mom. Welcome, Jackie. Did I do Moravik right? Did I get yes, it? Yes, perfect. Good, yay! <laughs> Well, I'm so glad to have you here today. So you I'm know, so I excited. Like, oh yeah, I I love talk. This is like my favorite. I mean, I love all, all the work that I'm doing, but talking to people on intermittent fasting stories is like my favorite job. It doesn't even feel like a job. I can only imagine. I've listened to everyone, and I've loved them. So I'm excited to be here. So it feels like like I'm sitting here. You can see my coffee. I'm showing it to you. Yep. Oh, here's mine. Cheers. Awesome. Black coffee for the win. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? 
My fasting journey started in January 2018, and it was had nothing to do with weight loss or health. And my church, every single January, has a Sikh season. In 2018, I was breastfeeding my third, my son. He was a little over a year old. And so I didn't want to do, I normally did what was referred to as the Daniel fast. I always lost weight with that. But again, it wasn't a weight loss tool. It was for the church. But when I was breastfeeding my son, he was a little over a year old and the biggest one-year-old you've ever met in your life. Oh, well. (laughs) So I didn't want to really do anything that I thought would hinder my ability to breastfeed. And my church that year had made a pamphlet of different fasting things. So if, if this fast isn't for you, here are other options to to look at. And intermittent fasting was one of them. I had never heard of it. But I thought, you know, I could do a six-hour eating window and eat a lot. And to be honest, at the time, if I lost my milk supply, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world because I still was nursing all night long. And when you're and he was one, he was just almost one exactly. at that point. Yeah. Yep. And I know it's not recommended now to You to didn't know that then. Yeah, but I didn't know yeah. it then. And and can I can I pop in a little public service announcement here? A lot of people don't understand why it's not recommended. The issue that you just mentioned about supply is what people really they're like, well, you know, it's it's not affecting my supply, so it's probably okay. And it's actually a different reason. Um uh, yeah, I mean, supply is, of course, an issue. But in, in this modern world, you know, because I heard someone once say, well, you know, people have always been able to breastfeed, you know, even during famines, you know, so our bodies are protected. And that that is probably true if we didn't live in this modern chemical world. You know, in my new book, Cleanish, I talk about the toxins that we're exposed to. And I read something, in a, and it was like a, a textbook of breastfeeding and lactation. And they said that Women who are breastfeeding should not try to lose substantial amounts of weight because as you're losing fat, the toxins that are stored in your fat are released because the fat is protective. So, I mean, it's it's like here we are, our fat is storing these toxins that are protecting us from the toxins, and then we're breastfeeding, and now our body's releasing this stored fat with the toxins that then get into the milk supply. So it's because we live in such a toxic world that really any kind of approach that's going to have you losing lots and lots of fat is probably not recommended. Our bodies are just not designed for all these toxins, really. So anyway. That's really interesting. Sorry about that. Oh, no. (laughs) The good news is I gained nine pounds during my seek because I was front loading and back loading. I was eating so much in that six hour window because like I said, it was, it had nothing to do with diet for me at the time. And I was so, I felt so hungry. And with nursing, I, I've always had a very large appetite. And then when I nurse, it's like quadrupled and I ended up gaining nine pounds. But the funny thing is, and the lasting impression after I went back to my normal diet, the nine pounds didn't stick around. It was just my body was kind of freaking out, I think. But I remember being so remarkably like shocked how I adjusted to only eating six hours and it didn't really seem that odd to me. But as soon as it was done, I went back to my normal life. It was like, okay, well, that seek season was done, and I did it, and now life is normal again. But January, so now we're going to skip to January, or excuse me, March of 2020. And I had gained a significant amount of weight. I have a daughter with a congenital birth defect, and every time she has surgery, I gain stress weight. Oh, yeah. And she had just had a knee reconstruction in October. I gained a bunch of weight. And that's not atypical, but I had started losing it and then the pandemic hit 
And when I lose weight, I've always done Weight Watchers or Diet Bet. I I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with Diet Bet. But I was, am familiar with Diet Bet. I never did it, but yeah, I, I've seen people do it. I'm very competition oriented yeah. and I love money. So um, <laughs> the two together, I would do pretty much anything to not lose my money. And so I had lost some weight with that. But then we were home and my husband and I both like to bake and cook and all we were doing was trying new recipes. Uh huh. Doesn't that sound like a, oh, yeah, oh yeah, us too? And <laughs> we enjoyed it until right. all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I already had this post surgery weight, and I just lost weight, and now I'm gaining it again. And I told my friend, I think I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I remember liking the structure of it, and I feel like if I wasn't eating the same way as I did when I did it for church, it would be beneficial. So she messaged me. This is one of my best friends. So we talk all the time. And she was like, Hey, how's fasting going? And it was probably a month later and I hadn't done anything. And I was, I was literally eating, I think a no bake cookie for breakfast. And I was like, Oh, this is how it's going. I sent her a picture of me eating, but she's like, I need to tell you about a book that, well, she said that she was going to try it. And then the next time we got together, she told me, I need to tell you about a book that I read. And it was fast feast repeat. And she said, I know you're going to love this because you are a data person, which I'm 100% a data person. And I like to read and I like to do research. And she said, I feel like if you read this book, you are going to, you will start intermittent fasting. So the funny thing is I got her interested in intermittent fasting by telling her I was going to do it, but then I didn't do it. So she went researching (laughs) and I never, it never occurred to me to look into it. And I know that sounds really silly, but in my mind, it was just like, you fast or you don't fast. But I right. never I never did any research until I read your book. And it actually came out on my 33rd birthday. So oh, I it was a little that. birthday Yay. gift to me. So thank you. And I started reading it. As soon as she told me, we met at a beach with our kids. And she's like, you need to order. I ordered it while we were on the beach. I started that day. Although we joked because I only had sinner's coffee is what we called it. I drank black coffee ever since I was 20. But I always did French vanilla or creme brulee, like some flavored version. So for the first few days, I would joke that I was having my sinner's coffee. And then I never stopped. I, Your book uh, really sold me. And I really, I couldn't put it down. I just really enjoyed learning and kind of validating that I thought this was an answer I was looking for. I just waited two and a half years to actually apply it. Ever since then, I just have been a faster I love that. So no more sinning with the sinner's coffee. <laughs> I don't even like it as much as I used to. And it was always, as a poor college student, I worked for a company that gave free coffee to their employees. Like you didn't have to pay to be a part of a coffee club. So it was really easy for me to just drink black coffee instead of buying a lunch or buying breakfast. And that really helped me starting fasting as I was always a black coffee drinker. But then the flavors would be like, oh, at night I want a snack, but I'll just have creme brulee coffee instead. And now that I've stopped doing that, I do like just, Just the plain black coffee. dark roast or whatever. Oh, yeah, me too. I always get like when I'm somewhere, I always get the dark roast. You would think that would not be as good, but for whatever reason, it is. I like it too. And even in my eating window, sometimes I'm like, oh, let's have blueberry coffee. And I, I just, by the end of it, I'm like, no, I just, it just tastes not as good anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I remember this is years ago. I mean, years and years ago before I was, of course, knew anything about the clean fast, before I was really even a faster 
So I remember somebody that I knew, he had a Keurig, and he was always talking about his amazing flavored Keurig coffees, like the blueberry, like he said. And so I'm like, that just sounds so good. I didn't have a Keurig. So I was like, I'm going to get a Keurig so I can get all these amazing flavors. Then I got one, and I got all the flavors, and I didn't like any of them because I don't like artificial flavors. I'm a super taster, so they taste super fake to my tongue. I was so disappointed because I wanted to drink my delicious blueberry coffee and creme brulee coffee, and it just tasted yucky. Do you think they (laughs) smell good, though? I still think they smell amazing, and I can start enjoying it, but by the end, I'm like, oh, I just, it's too much. They do smell good, and so they would smell good, but then something about that artificial flavor, like like I can't eat like people who love like red velvet cake, for example. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. I can't I can't stand it because all I can taste is the artificial color. That the two red bottles dye. of red dye, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it tastes gross to me. But I have like super I'm a super taster, which is like a real thing. <laughs> Our taste buds pick up different flavors more so than than other people people's taste buds. So I've always been a super taster, but with the artificial stuff, I just absolutely taste it. So I guess that's a good thing, right? It's easy to stay. I was disappointed at the time because I was like I want to enjoy these delicious coffees that he's eating. But he liked them. I guess he's not a super taster. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> so an when you start, Yeah, he's just a normal taster. When um, when you started, so it was the summer of 2020, um, how much weight did you need to lose at that point? So I'm 5'10", and I at the time I started at 181. And so I was, I think 170 is about the high end of a normal weight range for women. 181 is after I had lost weight. So um, I think I was about 190 
but I got down to 181 before fasting. That was the diet bet um, success. The the success that never lasted, by the way. Growing up, I was always very, very thin. I've always been just kind of a tall, thin person before I had children. I remember I weighed 137 on my wedding day. And so I was never super high into an overweight category. But for me, I felt much bigger than what I I think of as myself. And you didn't feel good in your own body. Exactly. And so I ended up my goal my goal was just to not feel not like myself. And so I in my mind that was about 145 just because that was my weight a little after getting married. I had a super stressful spring, so I kind of dropped a little bit of weight before my, you know, I graduated college, got my first big girl job, got married all in the same time frame. And so kind of leveled out about 145 is where I was pre-pregnancy. And so in my mind, I thought that was probably my goal. At 181, I felt significantly different. And I was wearing clothes that I shouldn't be wearing just because I refused to go up in size. And I had the same jeans that I just busted into because I had stretched them enough. And so I, my goal was about 35 pounds, 36 so how did how did that work out when you first started? Like what did you start off with your like like in in your fasting routine? What did you do at the beginning? My initial I just remember the 6-hour eating window before and I decided that I was going to do that and so I my goal was 18 hours of fasting every day and pretty quickly I realized that I really like short windows because I I really do enjoy having large meals. I Yeah, me too. I and I know I yeah, I've heard you say that. And so the ability to still really enjoy whatever I'm making for dinner in whatever quantity I want. I think what I consider really large, I'm not sitting there eating like, you know, 16 quarts of spaghetti sauce right, at dinner, right. but I like I don't want to feel limited, I guess. So right. I enjoy- You don't want to have like a tiny little meal and know that you have to stop because that might be quote too much dinner. You want to be satisfied. Yeah. And I I originally thought that I'd probably do a six-hour eating window and have it be four to ten every night because my husband is a late-night snacker. And I thought, I want to be able to do that with him. Well, so that was my vision of four to ten. And then as it turns out, I just really like having dinner. And if I, if I have something sweet, it's almost always right afterwards. So I do track my fast, as I know you usually ask that. And I just like to have the data. So I have over 500 fasts, about a two and a half hour eating window is my average. And okay. so, see, that sounds, that sounds like a really good, a good yeah. length. You're, you're getting enough food. Oh yeah. I'm getting plenty of food. <laughs> Anytime someone <laughs> challenges me in my real life, I'm like, just watch me eat. You'll see. Right. That's it. And I have, you know, sometimes it's a 15 minute eating window and that's usually dictated by busy kids schedule. I'll sit down and then I eat really quickly, take someone to practice and I'm satisfied. And then I'll have days where I end up having two meals a day and the longer eating window. And I really have learned to not be as rigid as I tend to be and just allow myself to be flexible to whatever the day holds. And I love that about fasting. That is good. Like, look, that I never did diet bet. I know, I know that I said that already, but I I'm surprised I didn't because they might not have, it might not have really been out much when I was really in my struggle diet years or I just didn't know about it because that is exactly the kind of thing that me and my diety thinking would have been like all in. Like, I don't know if you've heard me talk about before we had a biggest loser at my work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've heard me say yeah. it. And I like ate a ton right before the initial weigh in. So I would be heavier. 
Yeah. Well, that's with diet. So I could lose it. I'd be crazy. With diet, but you could weigh yourself at night as your starting point. And then your, your way out would be in the morning, you know, and you just, there's all these games. And then you think, well, it's games. It doesn't really matter if I gain five of the seven pounds I lost back. I'll just do another diet bet. And I, I, I wouldn't explicitly think that, but I know that was my kind of, you know, the rationale of like, oh, you know, it just gives me more, more fluff to lose in the next game. And then I actually, when I started doing fasting, I did consider like, oh, should I do this? Because I was losing weight really quickly. I lost, I lost almost all my weight within the first four or five months. It was very successful. And then it stopped to like hard stop at 30 pounds. But I thought, oh, should I do this with diet bet? And then it was almost an immediate no, because I so much enjoyed not adding anything to it. With fasting, the decision fatigue, when you mentioned that in your book, I swear I heard angels singing because (laughs) that is something that has plagued me my entire adult life is, should I eat this? Can I eat this? Or guilt when I decide to eat something and I love to bake, I love to cook. I'm not gourmet in any way, but I enjoy trying new things. And so doing a recipe and trying to figure out Weight Watcher points or what it's going to do to diet, but I didn't realize how much it weighed me down until I didn't have that anymore. And that freedom has been, I'd say, equal, if not better than the weight loss. Yeah, that is just so very true. I'm the, I'm the same way with not wanting to have to get bogged down and all that. My win- I'm just much better with now my window is open, now my window is closed, and that's it. Because That's all no I have decision. to decide. Yep, yep. You know, once I decide to open my window, like I was just at you know, this will date the, our recording. It's it's December, even though it doesn't come out till April. I was just at the ACC championship with game with friends. Wake Forest lost, so sad <laughs> after a fabulous season. Is that football? Because I don't. Yeah, okay. ACC football championship. Wake Forest is never very good, but this year they've been fabulous. It said they did lose, like I said, but we had really long windows. But it still wasn't stressful. You know, we decided to go to brunch. Open my window. I'm like, all right, my window's open. Okay, I will say it stayed open from brunch till 2 a.m., but okay. <laughs> the game <laughs> wasn't awesome. over till midnight. But you know what? No big deal. Yeah. Then the next day, I'm like, all right, it's a new day. Nothing to worry about. And then you open your window, you close it again, and that's it. Yes. And I, I know you've asked in the past other people if they're a window tracker or your fast or your eating window, and I track my fasting. I feel like for me personally, that gives me the freedom to – 18 hours is my goal every single day. And almost every single day, it's 20 to 22 is where I usually land. But then if it doesn't really matter to me what happens after that, because I just know I do quick mental math, what it's going to mean for the next day, I can have my eating window be 15 minutes or six hours. And I don't really worry about that as much as I worry about getting the 18 hours. And I feel like that consistency has just worked well for me. Yeah, I think that's great. And that is really the way a lot of people choose to do it. And and I think that's a really solid approach. For me, I needed when I was trying to lose weight. See, it really depends like what phase we're talking about. When I was trying to lose weight, I needed the the guide on the window. <laughs> I needed the breaks there, right? I needed to, you know, like if I started eating beyond five hours, it doesn't matter if I have a longer fast. That longer eating window would really outdo for me. That was me. And so there really is no right or wrong way. But as far as like when you're getting into it more like lifestyle and not, I I can certainly see maybe tracking fasts 
might actually be better for, if I were going to track now, maybe tracking the length of the fast like you're doing and saying, I just need to get to 18. And that that would possibly make more sense for me at this point, yeah, if I, I were going to track. I, I Part of me look looks forward to not tracking anymore, but then I think, well, I'll break my streak. So I'm not quite there yet. I don't, because if I want to go back, then I'm like, dang, it's, you know, it's You lost all over. that data. Yeah, so I'm not quite there, but I feel like I I have the fasting muscle built enough where I could do it. I just need to kind of let go of that crutch, I think. Well, you know, and, and I get it. Some people love to have that data forever. They just really like to have it and see. And I'm not against that if if you like it and it's not causing you overdue stress because it's you're not playing games with the data now. Oh no, it's just your data. Yep, and I don't weigh myself for that reason. Uh, I did at the while I was losing weight. I, I even made a little Excel spreadsheet that I put out on the internet where you could put it in and it calculated your weight for you. And I I really did enjoy doing that as I was losing weight. Right. But me too. Once, actually, once I stopped losing weight, my weight range. Once I stopped losing weight every single week was 151 to 153. And that's pretty much where I'd hung out since December of 2020. I was so discouraged, but I also felt good. So I thought, what's the point? So that's when I stopped weighing myself every day. And then I felt so much better because I the, the tracking of the fast, that doesn't stress me out. It's data that's useful and helpful, but the weighing myself and not seeing results, even though I knew I was fasting and I had so many other health benefits, for some reason, it still bothered me, and I knew that wasn't a logical step. So I thought, oh, cut it out. It, it's not serving me. I think that's really important. Because yeah, sometimes people will mistakenly think that I think no one should weigh. And that's not true. I'm sure you've heard me say that before as well. But I, I believe that weight tracking your weight can be an amazing tool, or it can really mess you up. And so you've got to decide. And it's not necessarily the same answer all the way through. You know, for me, I needed it to see that what I was doing was, you know, quote, working. It helped me to see that my weekly average was going down. It helped me a lot. And I knew if it hadn't been, I would have needed to tweak something, you know, because the whole idea, trust the process, that that's a great phrase, but that doesn't mean that you just can just fast and the weight melts away and everyone has, you know, an easy time. You might have tweaking as part of the process. And in order to know, are you really losing weight or, or are you not, sometimes that tool is the scale is very, very important. But just like you in maintenance, I had an idea of what I wanted to see. I wanted to see 120 whatever on the scale. That two, just like for you, it's that four, right? That four gets there and you're like, I just want to see a four, a four in the tens place, you know? And for me, it was that two. Of course, I'm five inches shorter than you. So <laughs> just to put that out there. But, you know, I never saw that except one time, you know? And, and that was after I'd done some crazy, longer, weird fast. And I'm like, I did it. <laughs> no, that was not, I didn't really do it. <laughs> this summer, I actually got 149.8. My daughter had another surgery and it, we were in the hospital. It was stressful, especially with COVID. Oh, and yeah, I can only imagine. It was just not a fun time. And I knew, I could just tell, but it wasn't a healthy weight loss. It was just, I had been super stressed. And so my weight dipped and... I weighed myself and I, t I texted my mom, I'll never weigh myself again. There you go. That's <laughs> but right. That didn't actually happen. But I immediately <laughs> went back to the, where my body had settled very comfortably at the, the very, very low 150s. And I was like, dang, my body just doesn't want to be there. That's where your body, that's your set point. You know, that whole science is set point. Let me ask you this, though. You're now, like you said, settled in that 150 low, 150 range. How does your size compare to back when you were that 145-ish size that you 
dreamed of getting back to? Well, I have hips that are a little different than before I had kids. A little so, childbearing, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like my pants are just a little bit bigger than what they were then just because I, I've never had a very womanly shape. Pretty straight. Once I had kids, my hips are wider and that's where I carry all my weight. And that is like, it doesn't matter how much weight I've actually been losing. And I have gotten into the 140s, but that's a little bit different. I did something different recently. And now I'm finally like at the the same size, but my legs still are just shaped differently. That's one of the only struggles that I have still is that I expect myself mentally to look like I did pre-kids and when I was 21. Like, that's unrealistic. I'm 34 now. I've had three children. And I know that as a logical person that I'm different. But I think hitting the weight goal didn't meet the expectations I thought it would. And that I'm like, okay, there's just some mental healing to go on here, Jackie. Well, I mean, it literally stretches out our, our pelvic bones, oh, yeah. right? And my, so, third, my third child was 11 pounds. So like, oh I stretched everything every which you way. You sure did. Yeah. yeah. And so we we really stretch those pelvic bones and our, our we literally are, our skeleton is wider. You know, like when they do all those those TV shows where they have the like the bones that they dig up, or like we could tell she had a baby <laughs> or whatever. Well, I I've ima- I imagine if I'm ever dug up someday, they'll say that about me. Yeah, she had a baby. <laughs> Hopefully, no one's digging us yeah. up. <laughs> but so, I did. yeah, coming to terms with body changes as we age. Look, I'm I'm coming to terms with those menopausal body changes and just like, oh well, that's what it is. I just think that I thought once I got into the 140s, I'd be like, yay, and feel. I just was like, oh, I still look like me. I don't know. And I and I don't I don't feel like I have that bad body image. So I'm not trying to say that. It just was just reaching the goal wasn't the same as what I thought it would be. And I know that it's logical. I don't know. Yeah. I get, no, I get it because <laughs> we we have this this pre, you know, the, this body that we had and then we go through all these different changes. Then when we lose the weight, we expect to be back to that same body. And very few of us are. Like even like, you know, our, our waist size is is never going to be exactly the same again, I think, as it was pre-babies. I mean, it might be, but you have to really like – I don't want to live the life of deprivation that would be necessary to get myself down to what I lo- was when I was, you know, 21 or whatever. Well, <laughs> on your – the delay don't deny mentality. I, as I've mentioned, I have a YouTube channel. And so one comment that I get all the time is keto, do keto, do keto, which has never in my wildest dreams been appealing to me. I, we eat a little bit of meat in our house, but I have a vegetarian daughter, so it's limited just because it's easier. And I do love cream and butter. So that was appealing, but I got the comment so many times that I thought, Hey, this, this will make good content. I'm going to do a four week keto challenge and just see what it does. So I did daily blood tests. I was at 20 net carbs every day or less. And I did lose 10 pounds in four weeks. And so I'm just coming off of that. So I haven't, I, I haven't weighed myself again, but I definitely lost in my legs where I'd been wanting to lose weight a bunch and my pants were fitting much closer to what they were. In my mind, it was like a short-term sacrifice. I wanted the data, and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm happily eating carbs again, and (laughs) I 
wanted to just kind of when people comment that say, oh, yeah, I've tried that. And here were my results. But so many people comment on my videos. You have to do keto with fasting, keto with fasting. I buy it a dollar for every time someone said that. Oh, yeah. I'd be and rich. it's because people are confused that they think that, you know, ketosis only occurs if you're eating a keto diet. And we know that's not true. <laughs> and so how did you feel when you were doing keto? I'm, I'm curious to hear. I actually felt really good. I, good. That's good. I didn't – I had um, a racing heart at the very beginning, which then in doing research, it seems that it was pretty normal. And the only thing I didn't – I didn't have the same mental freedom. So I hated tracking everything again. And that re- fully reminded me why I will be a faster forever. And then I felt like I was eating meat, cheese, and cream, which when you think about in the short term, yum. But every single meal for every single day, and luckily eating only one meal a day, it made it much easier because if I was trying to do that three meals a day, I just, I was over it by four weeks. It was interesting to see that it, it kind of broke through my plateau that I had since December of last year and the four week sacrifice. I don't know how much of that's going to stay, but my pants are still fitting that I got into. So we'll see. That's kind of a. Well, I think the fact that you felt good means that that might be an eating style that your body really enjoys. When I was doing keto, 20 net carbs, same thing, a lot of the cream and the dairy, I didn't feel good with all that fat. So like for me, I know, I know if I wanted to lose probably, I don't know, five, 10 pounds, for me, it would be a lower fat approach. What I learned from doing Zoe, what I I know from my past diet history back in the early 90s, my body really responded well to losing fat with a low-fat diet. So if I went to a low-fat, whole foods-based low-fat, not having the snack wells and the SpaghettiOs like I was in the 90s, but really high-quality low-fat food, I could lose weight, more weight. But like you said, the mental freedom you know, I don't want to eat that way. I like butter on my potato. I don't want to have just exactly. a potato. But I also don't want to have just butter. Yeah, yeah. I want to have potato with butter. So. And I'm I'm right there with you. And I feel like <laughs> yeah. even if I, and I really mean this, if I get back to my settling point of 151 to 153 with carbs, I've learned that that is, that is fine with me because I I want the butter and the potato. I want I want it all. And I don't want to eat different meals than my children. I don't want to make two separate meals, two separate grocery lists, two separate meal plans. None of that was fun to reinvent, reinvite back into my life. It felt, even though it was totally different than Weight Watchers, it felt like I was doing Weight Watchers again because I was counting. I was making separate meals because no one in my family wants to eat vegetable soup every night like I did. It was very reaffirming that intermittent fasting, eat what you want in the window, is the way for me. Yeah. And the whole idea of can't have, I never want to feel that way again. You know, can't have, can't have that. It's not in my diet plan. You know? Yeah. And you talk about <laughs> things not sounding good to you anymore. I have this prime example. I used to love Little Debbie's oatmeal cream pies. And if they were around or if I was at a gas station, I would eat one. Like it just, it was always good to me and a nice addition, even though I eat whatever I want now. I will never eat a probably an oatmeal cream pie again because it's just not, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to pick that. And just choosing not to have it, even though I could, is so different than being on Weight Watchers and being like, oh, well, that would be 17, I have no idea, seven whatever points. I, I can't have that. There's just such a mental difference in the two. And I think 
I, my son actually, he's five now, but when I first started, he saw oatmeal cream pies at Menards. He went with my husband. And he's like, oh, let's buy these for mom. And then I felt so bad because it never sounded good. And I, I remember just thinking like, wow, I have a box of oatmeal cream pies in the pantry and I don't even want to eat them in my eating window. And I love, I love desserts still. Don't get me wrong, but it's just. But they need to be good. Yeah. It wasn't good that. Good desserts. Yeah. Yeah. That, that really brings me back to my days of the HCG diet. Did you ever do that crazy HCG diet? Yeah, that was the yeah the definition of a yo-yo for me was that because I could lose the weight really quickly and then you know even following the way you're supposed to like set your loss whatever I always regained like more and way more but with the HCG diet you're supposed to have a loading period that's probably the part I like the most yeah. other than the quick weight loss <laughs> sounds good like I, I can't remember for two or three days before it you were supposed to eat as much as you can oh my god for two or three days don't challenge so, me with that right so i would go to the grocery store because it was like you know i don't remember what the theory was but it was like setting you up for success to load this in and so i'd go to the grocery store and i would buy those pop tarts that are like chocolate with vanilla cream inside i would buy those i would buy you know chips and dip all that stuff and right now i wouldn't i wouldn't want that if you gave it to me you know? <laughs> Are you familiar with the Little Debbie Christmas tree yes. cakes? I've yep. always loved those. They used to be like in my stockings and I bought a box this year and I ate one. I was like, well, I guess that'll be my only one. And I didn't hate it, but, and I, it was more of the nostalgia for me, but I thought, oh, I don't think I'll ever buy those for myself again. And it's nice that I'm making those choices without being forced to, I guess. Yeah, that really is true. My mother... She comes to come to, to see us at Christmas every year, and she brings stockings for uh, for me and for Chad and for the boys, and she puts stuff in them. And that's the kind of stuff she still puts in, like those chips and the Christmas trees like that. She'll put it in there. And so I have one son that will still eat it, so I just send it all home with, with Will. I'm like, here, Will, take all this. I, I haven't like, you lost- really don't have to do a stocking <laughs> anymore, Mom. We have- <laughs> I haven't lost the taste for chips yet, though, I'll be honest, man. Well. Those, are, those have always been like a weak point of me, and I'm still waiting for that to catch up i will i do still like chips so i i will get that out there but i now prefer a higher quality chip like if i'm at, at the grocery store if i'm going to buy like let's say we're going to have you know one of our meal delivery kit meals that like a burger with the vegetable side or whatever i'd be like you know what would be good with this some chips but i get the ones that are like you know fried in coconut oil or whatever or avocado oil instead these days. I mean, that's still an ultra-processed foods, even like organic potato chips made in coconut oil. But they just somehow just hit the spot a little better. Yeah. I'll have to sure check so. those out. But yeah. I, I'm, I keep waiting. That's actually one thing that I would advise people that are starting is don't feel like you have to change everything all at once. Because it does, and you've said this a million times in your podcast, like trust Jen, it does come. And I just am trusting that someday chips won't be as good to me, just like cakes like processed cakes aren't but everything doesn't have to change all at once and if you approach it that way you're not going to be successful because you'll lose steam but if you allow yourself to adapt to an eating window and then you start making better choices it gradually builds and i actually had chips a a bag of lays little you know the little lays potato chips we had an alumni event prior to the football game and it was like barbecue so it was like barbecue and i had like barbecue and some slaw and whatever but then they had these little bags of lays potato chips and i had one and i had it with food and it 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 hit the spot 
So I, I don't want people to think that they should should lose their taste for all of that necessarily. Because you will lose your taste for some things and not others. And so that's kind of like, you know, with my whole cleanish approach, I'm okay to have the bag of chips that still taste delicious here and there at this alumni event because they 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 were crunchy, they were salty, they were really good. They went with the beer I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I no longer have the desire to buy a whole bag and just eat them. Right. Or overwhelming, like compulsion to put six I mean like a big bag your, right in your uh, exactly cart. yeah like if or they're like around yeah when she puts all those chips because she'll buy one of those big packs of multi whatever packs of different chips and divide them up and I'm like I'll, I might eat one bag of Doritos out of all those little mini bags and then I'm like yeah I'm done with that till next year you know and that's okay. I want to circle back to something that you said a while ago. You mentioned that you had had a, some great health benefits. Tell us about some of those. So one, I'll start with the one that I didn't want the most. My eyesight changed. And I remember hearing that on podcasts. And I kept thinking, don't let that be me because I had a wonderful glasses collection. And oh, no. my eyesight had been the same for the eight times I've gone to the eye doctor as an adult on my own, it was exactly the same. And then I went, I was, I'd lost pretty much all my weight. It was November of last year and it had improved. And I was like, dang it, <laughs> because I was getting headaches. And he said, that's why you're getting headaches. You're wearing too strong of a script in your eyes. So my eyesight improved and actually the eye doctor wasn't phased. He's like, I'm not surprised if you lost 30 pounds and you're fasting. And he started talking about insulin and he sees Love it. Um, eyesight changes and a lot of diabetic patients. So he wasn't surprised, but I was I was disappointed. But I had LASIK. Could you get like your lens? Oh, you got LASIK. Okay. I just got LASIK. My okay. eyesight didn't change because my weight had stayed the same for about a year. I just had it done. And so I got rid of my glasses. What was the process of it? Uh, it was awful. I hated it. That's what I heard. <laughs> Melanie Avalon had it done. You know, I don't know if you listen to the Intermittent Fasting podcast, but she was talking about it. And the way she described it, I was like, I will never do that. I will never, never, never do that. I always said that. My husband did it last year. And then seeing him wake up every day and, and just not be able squint, to see. I was so jealous. And then when my eyesight changed and my glasses worked, I thought, I just need to man up and do it. And I took, I took, I can't even think of what it's called, Valium. Before okay. it didn't even do anything. Didn't it was help. It was so quick though. So I think okay. of, I think of all the scary things in my life that I've done that I can get through and I was like, okay, I can be it. I can be ten oh yeah. It's but been the Valium very worth it. See, I don't feel good on Valium. My my dentist lets you have Valium if you want it. And I had been like scared to go to the dentist, so I started trying with the Valium. It makes me feel so bad afterwards. But like you would think they could like put you out completely for the LASIK, right? But they can't. You have to have your eyes open because they just prop them open somehow. Yes, and it's so much pressure. But they, you have to, like, follow a light. At least where I went, they said, okay, stare at the green light. Okay, go over here so that it, the laser is, like, perfectly lined up. So there's a rhyme to the reason, but... That you've got to be awake. Yeah. But it was worth it, even though I hated it. Good. But afterwards, yeah. I'm like, that wasn't bad, was it? And I said, yes, it was. It was very bad. <laughs> but... It's done now. So that was one Good. benefit was my eyesight improving. And I remember hearing that on podcasts very early on thinking, please don't let that be me. But it was. And then I also had, this one isn't fun to talk about, but a foot fungus on both of my large toenails. And I wouldn't ever go get pedicures. It had just been there for a decade. I had gone yeah. to get it looked at. And they basically told me I needed more vitamin D and not to paint my toenails but I'm like, what woman's going to wear sandals and be able to just... Yeah, like my toenails are hideous exactly. and I need to paint them. Yeah, And so I just, I, I've had it for at least a decade. And then I changed my polish 
and it was almost gone. And I couldn't even believe it because I didn't do anything. It didn't have vitamin D. I just had taken it off to change the polish. And it has, it's not like I don't have perfect nails still, but it's so much better. And the only thing that has changed is fasting. And I have to believe that's what it was. And it was at the same time where I had already lost all the weight and I was, I had seen all the other benefits. You know, that's one of those things, you know, our bodies, I genuinely believe that our bodies are supposed to do things like fight fungus and fight whatever. And and because of the way we are eating these days, and also I'm going to go back to what I talked about earlier with the toxins. Our bodies, and I learned so much researching for Cleanish, our bodies are perfectly designed for the natural world with real food and like that we you know used to live in before the modern chemical era. And so we have all these natural detoxification pathways that are, you know, our liver and all of that. And our bodies are supposed to be able to fight off toenail fungus. And But instead, we're so busy with all the toxins that come in, our bodies have to work on that. And so other things take that foothold. And also the eating all the time. Our bodies are so busy processing all the food. So when we implement more fasting, obviously less is coming in. Fewer toxins come in simply because we have a shorter eating window. But then also our bodies can ramp up those self-cleaning processes because we're getting out of our own way with that. And so it makes great sense that all of these chronic things our bodies couldn't work on, suddenly they can. And on the same note, it's not cleared up yet, but I have ever since, I don't know, middle school, I've had warts. Like others in my family have had them. One, I have one child that has warts on her hands. I still have them but you cannot see them as much. And I think they're going away. And I'm totally just believing that, but I have like four of them on my thumb and I can barely see them and I know that they're there, but they are slowly going away. And I truly believe that autophagy is working on them. That's amazing. And just our body getting out of our own way, you know, letting our bodies have time to heal. I think that's so important. I feel like these ones are harder to... You can't see them or justify them with the script, but I have way more energy... I sleep better. I'm way less dependent. I still love it for a mental comfort, but I'm way less dependent on caffeine in the morning. My coffee isn't as integral. You know, if I don't have a cup the moment I wake up, I can still um, talk to my family kindly. And (laughs) I just feel so much better. And then my skin, I still break out with my cycle around my jawline, but I used to have a really, it was very small, but like acne all over my forehead that has gone away. I feel like my skin is just overall better. And so I feel like it's hard to quantify some of the other benefits, but I just mentally and emotionally feel so much better. And I think a lot of it is the mental freedom. I just can't sing the praises of that enough. Not constantly thinking about should I, shouldn't I, can I, can't I, will I regret this? Man, I regret that. You know, all of that has improved my mood. So much. Yeah, oh, definitely. And we, you know, we hear that so much from intermittent fasters that it's more than just, I lost the weight and my health is better. It carries over into so many other aspects of our lives as well. Like, have you noticed other parts of your life that you've changed, just like inspired by fasting? This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I've always been more of a physical person rather than exercising, but, you know, I like to go on bike rides with my kids or go on walks, and I just find myself being more intentional about it now and more interested in just having a healthier approach to say like this year, I 2021, I set a goal of walking 500 miles. So I just want my intention to just be out there more to do better things for myself. And I feel like I'm taking better care of myself. I feel better. So I want to actually get ready in the morning. I'm blow drying my hair more. And I know that kind of sounds silly. I feel silly saying it, but I just have more of the energy or the desire to, to feel better about myself because I'm feeling better in other ways. So it's- Oh, no, I don't, I don't think it sounds the least bit silly because I totally get it. I get up every day and take a shower and blow dry my hair and put on real clothes. <laughs> Even if I'm not leaving the house or seeing anybody, I just feel better. Don't ask my husband because he may not agree. I don't know. But I, I'm still in sweatpants most days. But I, I just feel more inclined to get ready every day just because I feel better and it just adds to that. And because I'm feeling better, I just want to keep it going. And I just feel like I have a snowball of other areas that I'm interested in. Or I started doing an annual physical because I was like, you know what, if I'm already doing this fasting, I need to keep up on my other parts of my health. And I just feel like I'm making other small steps that are, I mean, part of it's probably age, you know, I'm getting older, I probably need to monitor things. But I also just want to take the initiative that I haven't really considered in other, you know, when I wasn't feeling so good, I guess. Well, it's a feel good snowball. It is. Right? Mm -hmm. It really does. And that that I talk about in cleanish, that is what led me down the path towards cleaning things up. The better you feel, the more you want to feel better even more. And then you notice when you don't, like right now, I'm a little draggy. It's Monday morning, I was at this long football event. I drank more than I normally do. I ate more than I normally do. And today I'm all puffy and I'm like, you know, well, thank you. I don't feel my best is what I'm saying. You know, like I feel, I don't feel my best. So luckily, you know, I've been doing intermittent fasting long enough that I'm not like, oh no, I blew it. I didn't blow it. It was a great weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I feel not my best, but you know what? I'm going to fast today. I probably won't have a snack and a meal. I need to get through some of that extra stored glycogen. It's not like I'm punishing myself for the longer windows because I'm not, but I'm going to, you know, probably just eat dinner only. I don't need a snack. My body needs to get back into that good fasting feeling so that tomorrow I'll feel even better and that puffiness will go away. But you just want to feel good. We become driven by that. That's 100% right. Is I, 
I'm, you kind of get addicted to that feeling of, wow, it feels nice to feel nice. So what else is going to add to that? 100%. So you, did you mention your husband does intermittent fasting as well? No, he actually, oh, okay. he kind of reminds <laughs> me, of- every time you talk about Chad, I think of my husband. So my husband okay. went to school for chemical engineering and okay. he's naturally thin and he kind of does things his own way. He does fast in a way, but he doesn't track anything. So it's funny, before I fasted, he used to come home from work and not eat breakfast, not eat lunch, and he'd be really hungry. And I'd say, that's your problem, not mine. You're the one that didn't eat. But then he basically would start eating with dinner and then he snacks. He is the world's biggest snacker. And it would drive me crazy because he'd never gain weight. And then I'd see him snacking all the time. And if I wanted to partake with him, I instantly gained 10 pounds. But as I started fasting, I'm like, oh, so Matt basically does intermittent fasting. But he'd be more like the five two. you know, he does that two days a week. And then he might eat lunch two days a week and then, but he doesn't ever really eat breakfast because he wants to get out the door and he doesn't drink coffee, but he just, he, he does it his own way without calling it. He, he would not tell you he fasts though. He does not do But it. he just naturally, he has never stopped living in the way that feels right to him day to day. He's never conformed to, I'm going to eat breakfast and lunch and dinner because everybody says I should. Instead, he just, you know, that's the way my son Will is very much. He would not say he's a faster if you asked him. No. But he very much just like rolls out of bed, starts drinking his black coffee, eats if he feels like it, not if he doesn't. But he's also so funny the way he'll just eat like, like I could make him an egg sandwich and he eats a third of it and he's like, I've had enough of that. Like he doesn't eat the whole thing. I'm like, what? You're like, okay. <laughs> but I love it. You know, I I love that he's listening to his own signals and never lost them. Speaking, so you saying that about your son, that's one thing that I love about fasting is I feel like with Weight Watchers, I have two daughters. My daughters are 10 and 11, and I never wanted them to know I was doing Weight Watchers because I didn't want them to have that modeled for them, and I didn't want them to grow up with any moral thoughts on food, and I didn't want them to be like, okay, mom liked this last week, and now she's not. I I don't know. I just felt like it could be very confusing for girls, and you know, I still obviously care for my son as well, but he came along five years later. So they, they were around when I was doing the Weight Watchers all the time. But I feel proud that they know about fasting. And I think if my daughters employ it as they get older, as part of their lifestyle, I would be proud to pass that on to them or to teach them about that. And it, it's not something I'd be ashamed that I found a lot of success with Weight Watchers, but it would I would always lose the weight. And then as soon as I stopped, it would be back. And so I'm not trying to be down on that for anyone, but it was nothing that I wanted to pass along to my children. And so I feel really good that they are learning about fasting. And I tell them, I don't need to grow the same way as you guys. And I'm doing this because I want to be healthy for you guys. And I, I am excited that they are seeing that instead of a diet. Right. You're modeling healthy eating and lifestyle versus modeling when you're a grown up woman, you're going to diet. Just be ready. You're going to diet. That, but that's that's what my mother always modeled for me because, of course, she didn't know any other way. That was, you know, the times. And but I never had that, which is like I don't – Your mom didn't? No. I remember my dad losing weight more. And like I said, he's he's actually a big faster. He loves – he's a big fan and he wants to be on your podcast. Oh, someday. it was your dad. I knew yeah. you mentioned somebody. Well, it was your dad, not your husband. My mom, she actually fasts too, but she doesn't track anything and she's very loosey-goosey with it, just personality-based. And my But my dad's very rigid like I am. And so they both do it, 
and I hope that you talk to my dad someday, but I remember him dieting more, but he never gained weight until he was about my age. So I'm 34 and he was very thin up until about this age. And so I, I wasn't super young when he was dieting, but I never saw in my family, there was really no big diet culture. That's good. You really don't want to pass that on. Not at all. No, that's important. And I love that because some people worry about even the message of fasting with daughters. But it, but they're like, well, I don't want to. But you're doing it in a way that is really communicating the health benefits and that adults have different needs and we're doing this to be healthy and that you let them see you eat food and enjoy it and you're not passing on that moral judgment. That's the main thing, good, bad, you know. So if we go through a fast food restaurant and I don't want something, I don't say, well, I'm not going to eat that because that's bad for me. I say, my window's not open. I'm not hungry right now. And so I try very hard to, like you said, I'm not passing moral judgment. And they see me many things that people might morally judge. But I, I just am telling them, you know, I have my boundaries. I respect my boundaries. And then I enjoy food within here. And I think that they can see that, that I'm not punishing myself. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure people would morally judge watching me eat too because I'm clean-ish, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I, I want to feel good. Yeah. On my YouTube channel, I share a lot of the foods that I eat and and then I also have- Oh, a, people a, are just mean, aren't they? Oh, they're mean. All right. And then I have grocery sho- a grocery shopping channel where I share what I grocery shop and my meal plan for the week because I really love grocery shopping. And people- on either channel. And it doesn't phase me anymore because I'm putting myself out there and people have their own their own opinions. But, oh, yeah. I figure no matter what I do, someone's going to judge me. So. Oh, no. Literally, there's nothing you could do. You could go carnivore and then vegans would come out and criticize you. You could go vegan and then here come the, you know, there's no way. We're not going to agree no matter what. Yeah, there's literally no way. <laughs> there is really no way. So I'm just like... You know, when when I ran those big Facebook groups back in the day, we had a rule called keep your eyes on your own plate. Yeah. You know, and worry about yourself. I know you've seen that that funny video of that little girl trying to put on her in her car seat. Have you seen that one? Worry about yourself. She's like, worry about yourself. I love no, I know what you're talking about. But this little girl and she's, I don't know, three, I can't even remember, but she's her dad's like, Can I help you? Do you need help? And she's like, Worry about yourself. And I'm like, I'm like, I love that little girl yeah. so In much. our family, we say, mind your meatloaf. It was from a Disney show years ago, and I don't know why. And it really has nothing to do with food for that, but mind your meatloaf. So that's yeah. what my kids yeah. And say. keep your eyes on your own plate is more than just also about food. It can be about your fasting protocol and whatever. And, you know, understanding that we're all different. And we could come up with these all these elaborate rules about these are all the foods you should eat and not eat, but other people are not going to feel good that same way. Like you felt good experimenting with keto. I felt awful on it. Does that mean I did it wrong? No. It means that my body didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. Although people who love it would tell me I clearly must have done it wrong, but that, I didn't. I promise. Well, and even <laughs> I felt good, but I didn't love it. So I feel like there's, like you said, there are so many variations and all of us are individuals. Like, why would it make sense that one size fits all? And that's one thing I love about your book is you give so many options and you learn about them and you have them in your toolbox. And I think it's actually pretty fun to try to like, oh, does an up day and down day approach work for me? Or how many times should I do this? It's it's kind of fun to try things out, implement them, get the data and see what works for you. And you might think you wouldn't like something and then find out you do. Like you said, you felt like you were going to have a six-hour window that in your mind seemed like what you would like. Then you realized that wasn't really what you 
we're ended up doing. So until you've tried it, you really don't know. Someone might think, I that up day, down day sounds awful. Then they try it and they're like, oh, I actually love that. Yeah, I never mentioned, but I do do that once a week usually. And I love it. I absolutely love having it. Like a mealless Monday? I do the 500 calorie, okay. but I do it more in preparation. Like, oh, we're having a really busy day. It's easy to have a 500 calorie meal. And then tomorrow I can go grab lunch. Tomorrow with will be an up day. Yeah. yeah and I, I love that. It Again, it just talks to the freedom. I can tailor whatever works for my schedule and still fast and be successful. I love it. The the freedom and the flexibility really is the thing. And we have we have the fr- and we also have the freedom to make bad choices and have a weekend where you go to the ACC championship, eat all the things for I don't know. I swear one night I fasted for ten hours. I was like, I just did a ten hour fast because we were up at like two in the morning eating like cheese char- charcuterie or something. You know? Well, that's but anyone you know, in my real life. I tell them you sleep every night, so you're fasting. Like move on the next day, and you still fasted. I still fasted. It yeah. was 10 hours. Don't judge me. I'm not judging myself. Exactly. <laughs> well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would recommend, you know, the saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I just really don't think you need to change everything all at once. Or if you think the one meal a day is going to be for you, it doesn't have to be how you start. Start liking black coffee, start drinking ice water, start removing things that you wouldn't have in a clean fast and then increase your window. I just really feel like from people in my own life, they think it's an all or nothing type approach. So it's all right to start with one healthy habit and then add in the next and then add in the next until you're where works for you. Right. And I think that that's that, huge. That would be my yeah, advice. Like, we have people starting out and they're like, all right, I started out. It's day two. I'm going to do 24. Today I had a four-hour window and tomorrow I'm going to – I'm like, no, stop. Yeah. Wait, too much. Crash and burn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you- and, and it's okay. Somebody might feel great doing that. But if you if you say this is what I'm going to do and it could lead to that pressure, the crash and burn. I did start with pretty long windows, but I already – as I mentioned, I already was an all-black coffee drinker. So I already – found comfort in that. I didn't have to adjust to that. But if I had to, that would have been my first step, like like coffee or like the things that you have while you're fasting and then add in the fast and then slowly wait for chips to, to leave. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and they might not ever know, stop using their teasing. appeal. That's okay. <laughs> but, you know, and it doesn't have to be a 28-day fast start for you either. Maybe you need a 56-day fast start, right? That is okay because it's all about getting – to where it feels good to you, however long that takes, and not crashing and burning with unreasonable expectations. That's really, I think, what tripped me up all those years was having these diet thinking, unrealistic expectations. Yes. Y'all can lose 10 pounds. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> take it, take your time and let it happen. Exactly. Well, Jackie, I have so enjoyed talking to you today, and me thank too. you so much for sharing your story. Yes, thank you, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week 
and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.